Grace to you and peace in Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. It is Easter. We are here to celebrate the empty tomb. During these weeks of Lent, we have covered the passion history and seen rays of divine glory as seen in Christ's passion. We should be done with that theme. But there was one more thing that is covered in that theme. One more thing that is mentioned in Matthew chapter 27 verses 50 through 53 that has a lot to do with today's victory. Let me read that text to you. After Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Suddenly the temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and rocks were split. Tombs were opened and many bodies of saints who had fallen asleep were raised to life. Those who came out of the tombs went into the holy city after Jesus' resurrection and appeared to many people. This is the gospel of our Lord. I have to admit to you, when I read that sentence, Good Friday, Jesus dies and and several believers come to life, I have a lot of questions. Like, what did they do between Friday and Sunday morning in which after Jesus rose, they went into Jerusalem? How come this isn't recorded all over the Bible? What did those people do with the rest of their life? And once again, through faith, we understand God has told us everything he wants us to know. This was a miracle. And whenever miracles happen, it is to attest that we can trust in the word of God. And so on this Easter Sunday, we preach our last sermon on that theme, rays of divine glory as seen in Christ's passion, when tombs were opened and many were raised to life. Now, as I said, This is to attest to a miracle. I mean, this miracle attests to Jesus' words. Sorry about that. And we want to focus on a statement Jesus made, his second to the last statement that was made on the cross. This is recorded in John chapter 19, verse 30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Now, it's after this that Jesus says, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And then we're told, I commit my spirit. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. What is finished? Some people think it's his life, but that's not the case at all. It's the punishment he took in your and my place there on the cross. It's the work of earning our redemption. What is finished is the payment for our sins. Christ here has defeated sin. He's defeated your and I's and, our, and my sin right there on the cross. And with that done, then he commits his spirit into the Father's hands. Now, when your and my sins are gone, then death has lost its sting. In fact, let me read to you from Romans chapter 6, verses 22 through 23. But now since you were set free from sin and have become slaves to God, you have your fruit resulting in sanctification, and the final result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, what is finished is Christ has taken care of our sin, and so death 
has lost its sting. If we didn't sin, we would not die, period. That's what God told Adam and Eve. When you eat of it, you will surely die. And they did suffer immediate spiritual death and they would suffer physical death. But now because of Christ, death has lost its sting. It is finished is attesting to, or those people rising is attesting to the pro, what was proclaimed by our Savior, that it is finished. And now there's a warning we want to cling to. If we want to say Christ has paid for your sins, now you have to help the poor so much. Now you have to give so many dollars in offering. Now you have to come to church at least X many times a year. Now you have to show that you're sorry and then God will forgive you. Now all those things we had, that, that it, now you have to do a penance. That is calling Jesus a liar. It is finished. And those empty tombs, death had just been conquered. It lost its sting. God rose those people to show it is finished. And so for you and I, by the faith we have, we cling to the Savior knowing our sins are forgiven. And in that, we see Christ has defeated sin and death. So rays of divine glory are seen in Christ's passion when tombs are opened and many of the dead were raised to life, attesting the victory proclaimed by the dying Savior. It is finished. But that's not the only victory. See, there's something else we need to understand now about what death is for you and I. When Christ walked this earth, he gave an example of how you and I need to view the, uh, how you and I are empowered now to view the death of those who believe in him. Jairus was an elder in the synagogue and he'd asked Jesus to come and help his daughter for she was very ill. Along the way, his daughter dies. That's where Matthew chapter 9, verse 23 and 20 through 26 come in. When Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd, he said to them, go away, for the girl is not dead, but is sleeping. But they laughed at him. When the crowd was sent out of the house, Jesus went in, took the girl by the hand, and she was raised. News of this went throughout the entire region. See, her soul had been separated from her body. The crowd laughed because they knew this is ridiculous. This girl is dead. Shake her violently. She's not going to wake up. But for the believer, our soul goes to be before the throne of God and our body decays in the tomb. But it's like a sleep for our body. Our eternal soul is safe before the throne of God. And so Jesus isn't using a euphemism and just simply softening the blow. Oh, it's okay. Your daughter's dead, but I'm just going to say she's sleeping. That is what death is like for the believer. And everyone who trusts in the Lord knows they will be with him as a family reunion of the invisible church of all believers made visible. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 50 through 58 tell us, Now I say this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, and what is perishable is not going to inherit what is imperishable. Look, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment in the blink of an eye at the last trumpet. What Paul is saying here is not everybody's going to be dead when Christ returns. The last generation will not have to suffer the separation of the soul from the body. But all the rest, all believers, they're asleep. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishability and this mortal body must put on immortality. But once this perishable body has put on imperishability and this mortal body has put on immortality, then what is written will be fulfilled. 
Death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the Lord's work, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. For the believer, when we pass away, our soul goes to be before the throne of God, our body decays. And like these people, God will raise us without the decaying body. In fact, he's going to give us a glorified body. It's different for the unbeliever. The unbeliever's soul goes to hell, their body decays. They will be raised up and they will be given their body, but not glorified, and it will burn forever in hell. But for you and I, these people coming out of their tomb attests that death is different for believers. Rays of divine glory as seen in Christ's passion when tombs were opened and many were raised to life, attesting that for believers, death is merely a sleep of the body. Now, we are here this morning because we rejoice that Christ has defeated death and the empty tomb is God's receipt to you and I that our sins are paid for in full and death has lost its sting. He will rise us up from our graves. The first people to get to actually proclaim that the Lord is risen and see the empty tomb is recorded in Matthew 16 verses 1 through 7. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they could go and anoint Jesus. Very early on the first day of the week at sunrise, they went to the tomb. They were saying to each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance to the tomb for us? When they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. He said to them, do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So they get to see Christ is risen and his victory there is everything for you and I. Those women will not be the only ones who get to attest that Christ is risen. Let's look at what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Brothers, I'm going to call your attention to the gospel that I preached to you. You received it and you took your stand on it. You are also being saved by the go- that gospel that was expressed in the words I preached to you, if you keep your hold on it unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, you and I call him the Apostle Paul, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to over 500 brothers at the same time, most of whom are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, he appeared to me, the stillborn child, so to speak. All these people, over 500 people, seeing the resurrected Lord. But you know what? The Sanhedrin, who had plotted his murder, do you think that they would come to believe in him? Let me remind you of what happens in the account of 
poor Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man dies and goes to hell. Lazarus dies that same time and he ends up in heaven. And the rich man begs, go send Lazarus to warn my brothers. He begs Abraham that. And in Luke chapter 16, verse 29 through 31, Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. That's the word of God. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Abraham replied to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Well, Christ rose from the dead, and do you know what? The Sanhedrin bribed the Roman guard that they had put outside that tomb to cover it up. They lost, and they knew it. They lost big time, and they tried to cover it up. And so the only place you're going to find is the testimony of those 500 witnesses, is the testimony of those apostles who saw it. The Bible remained pure to this. So even if someone rises from the dead, the unbelievers, they're still going to reject it. Now, imagine you were one of those people and you've heard, now, I was believing in this, Jesus, and I've heard he's risen from the dead, but the leaders of our Jewish people, they're telling us this never happened and it's a fraud. And suddenly, well, there's a knock at the door. Oh my goodness, it's Uncle Paul who died last week. He's here to get some meatloaf. He's hungry. See, Jesus rose. And those people, they came out of their graves on Good Friday, but they didn't go into Jerusalem until Sunday. This miracle is clearly meant to attest to the fact that Christ has risen. And before the New Testament is written, that won't happen for uh, many more years. The people who were wondering, uh, is the Sanhedrin lying? Yes, I saw Uncle Paul show up at the doorstep for some meatloaf. Okay, maybe not for meatloaf. But here we see rays of divine glory as seen in Christ's passion when tombs were opened and many were raised to life attesting that Christ has risen. Now, last thing we want to cover in connection with that resurrection is when Jesus had come to the tomb of Lazarus, this is the one to when he raised him, the Sanhedrin said, that's it, we got to kill this guy. Now, his sisters, Mary and Martha, had sent message, Lazarus is very sick, please get over here. And it seems like Jesus dilly-dallies. He dilly-dallies so long that when he gets to Lazarus' tomb and says, open it up, his own sister says, don't open it up. He's been in there a while. He's been decomposing. It's going to stink. Before he goes to that tomb, though, he talks to Martha. In John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, we're told, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even if he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never perish. Do you believe this? Then he raises Lazarus. You see, Jesus' resurrection is all about your and my being raised because of Christ's victory over sin and death. And when Uncle Paul, who had been dead last week, shows up at the door for some meatloaf, you know that Christ is the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? A brief sentence mentioned in scripture about people rising on Good Friday and waiting until Sunday after Christ's resurrection to come into the holy city. But their being alive again was a very believable miracle and a sermon that Jesus is the resurrection and the life.
And so we finish our Lent series as we also rejoice in our Easter celebration. We see rays of divine glory as seen in Christ's passion. When tombs were emptied and many were raised to life, attesting the victory proclaimed by our day dying Savior, it is finished. Therefore, your sins are taken care of. The punishment is taken care of. Death has lost its sting. And so it's attesting that for believers, death is merely a sleep of the body. It's attesting that Christ is risen. And they are attesting that Christ is the resurrection and the life. And so we live in him. We have eternal life in him. And if we fall asleep, we know that we will be raised because of him. And until that time, our souls will be before the throne of God. He is risen. He's risen indeed. Amen. And now may the God of peace who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, in connection with his blood, which established the eternal testament, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will, as he works in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.